Washington Commanders receiver Jahan Dotson hasn't had the breakout season that he and many of us predicted this year, but there are already signs that his confidence is coming back, but did it really go away to begin with? That and more on today's episode of Locked on Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Just go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders and you can text me directly your handy dandy cell phone i'll text you back and we can talk about everything from washington commanders to anything else football related nfl draft topics pretty much whatever you want your take on dipping dots give me your take on dipping dots and we can talk about those things as well of course you also get bonus content up-to-date information live text during press conferences game the whole nine yards all kinds of good stuff just by being a locked on commanders insider again join subtext.com slash locked on commanders to get in on that and then you can just shoot me a text whenever you want. I'm your host, David Harrison, on Twitter at dharrison82, credential member of the media covering the Washington Commanders for commandercountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. And I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And everydayers, as always, I really appreciate your support for the program. Today's episode brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked On NFL, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Get yourself to FedEx or Lumen Field or wherever the closest Washington Commanders game might happen to be. Get $20 off with game time on your first purchase. On today's episode, we are ranting about Ron. We weren't able to do so in our AAR episode because we had the Chase Young conversation with Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers. Insiders got the full 15-minute conversation. Everybody else got the uh, about half of that conversation that was able to fit on the regular episode. We're going to do that. We're going to answer a question about the NFL draft. It's November. We're talking NFL draft, not because the Washington commanders are already in draft mode, but because the Washington commanders have a little bit more draft capital for next April and people are already excited to see what that might become. But we're going to start off today's episode. It's a mailbag episode. So our first two segments are coming straight out of the mailbag. Um, and we've got multiple questions here. One directly coming from an insider. Another one, I got a combination of insider. I got a couple of, of Twitter DMs. Uh, I got some buddies just, just asking me randomly uh, questions about it. Some not even Commanders fans, to be quite honest with you. Want to know some things about the NFL draft uh, as it stands for the Washington Commanders today. So we'll also get into that. But first, we're going to start with Ravi. Ravi, one of my one of the insiders for the Locked On Commanders Insider Program, asked, what do EB and Sam Howell have to do to make sure Jahan Dotson doesn't get frustrated with his drops? Well, I will tell you this. The frustration is already there. So preventing Jahan Dots from getting frustrated is not going to happen because it's already there. And that's not really something I think Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy could do themselves per se. So I don't, I don't, so, so to answer the question very, very quickly, uh, it's too late. And I don't think that Sam and EB could have necessarily prevented it because Jahan's level of frustration is because he cares. And obviously you want that, right? You want that from any player. Um, so that frustration was going to be there. So for those who aren't aware of why he's a little bit frustrated, three drops in 2022 is rookie season, according to pro football focus. He's out four this year. And, you know, drops are, are a very finicky thing. Uh, you go back to the New York Giants game and that pass near the end zone that would have been a first down, probably not a touchdown, but would have given the commanders first and goal 
uh, trying to try to tie that game up, essentially win that game. Uh, some people call that a drop. Some people call it a bad pass. I call it both. Um, you know, and and to so I don't know if if PFF called that a drop or what they called a drop, but to this point this season, Jahan Dotson already has one more drop this year than he's had than he had all last year, uh, and you know he did end up missing five games last year, but still uh, quite the accelerated pace of drops. Now that is not the only part of his statistical production that is not on course in 2023 compared to where it was in 2022. Uh, in 2022, John Dotson had seven total touchdowns. He's got three right now. We're already past the midway point of the season. So technically, you know, from a season's full of work, uh, worth of work, he's on pace to have six touchdown catches compared to seven last year. Again, that's a drop in production and you don't want that. So that's where the frustration uh, is coming from. Now, Jahan's total targets and receptions right now are about equal to what he had all last year. I'll get more specific on that, but his production is dipping in some categories while his total yards for the season are on pace to go for 200 more than last season. But right now he's got 57 targets this season compared to 61 all of his rookie year. So he's only four targets shy of hitting the same number this year that he had all of last season. He's got 34 catches this season compared to 35 all last year. So his next catch is going to tie his career high in, in a season. Uh, already and he's actually getting more receptions per target right now despite the drops than he did last season but his yards per catch are down this season drastically from 14.9 yards his rookie season to 10.6 yards this season that's the reason you see such a lack in the numbers and then on top of the drops that's where the frustration comes from so what so so how the need be can't stop the frustration the frustration is there because Jahan Dotson cares so in in a certain light you know it obviously looks bad on the surface but in, in a certain light the frustration being present is actually a good thing because that's going to help Jahan Dotson get over the hump. What you don't want is Jahan Dotson losing confidence. So what did Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell have to do to prevent Jahan Dotson from losing his confidence? Well, for starting now, honestly, there's not a huge worry in that department because when you talk to Jahan, when you see him on the practice field, when you see him in the locker room, his confidence is there. This is a young man who knows what he's capable of. He knows why he was a first-round draft pick. He knows why he's arguably the best receiver to come out of Penn State in quite some time. And he knows, you know, and his teammates tell him they, that they know they, what, he's, what he's capable of. On top of that, his involvement in the game plan, the fact that this team is not benching him, taking snaps away from him, taking reps away from him, all of those things also reinforces that confidence that not, is, not only is Jahan confident what he can do, the team is confident in what he can do. Um, but but you do want to go ahead and preemptively combat some of those things. So to do that, keep giving him work, right? He had more than five targets twice in the first six games of the season. Now he's had no fewer than eight targets in the last three games of the season. So when you're not getting work like he wasn't in the early part of the season, there was one game where he only had one target. I think that was the Atlanta Falcons game. Uh, it's easy to let your mind kind of disengage a little bit. You know what I mean? Like imagine walking around your own office, or your own workplace, and your boss just never has anything for you to do or very rarely has anything for you to do, you're not going to be as connected or feel as connected to the battle rhythm as you would if you are a heavily involved member of it. Well, the same goes for an NFL wide receiver, especially a young NFL wide receiver. So when he's getting one target, three targets, four targets, five targets, and that's it for the entirety of the game, an entire 60 minutes of football, it's easy to get a little bit disengaged. And then when all of a sudden you're getting eight targets, 10 targets, another eight targets, all of a sudden, your brain kind of has to catch up with your body. Your body wants to get involved. Your body wants to stay engaged, stay focused, but your brain has to catch up just a little bit. And I think that's where we kind of are right now with Jahan. But his, if his performances from week eight and week nine, New England Patriots, 
uh, and Philadelphia Eagles become the new pace, right? So if that's the pace that we're going to see from Jahan Dotson in this offense moving forward, even with the drops in the last two games, Jahan Dotson has had 177 yards of offense, two touchdowns and 12 receptions again, combined in the past two games that puts Dotson back on track to have over a thousand yards receiving in his second season and beat his rookie mark for touchdowns. So that is what the Howell, Howell and EB need to do to keep Jahan Dotson's frustration from turning into a lack of confidence. Also publicly support the guy. You support him already uh, privately behind closed doors today, uh, or rather on Wednesday, Sam Howell said, quote, about John. He said, quote, he works so hard. He's got some of the best hands I've ever been around, and he still works so hard. Obviously, he's dropped a couple of balls that we've seen him catch, but he knows what he's capable of. At the same time, he works so hard and does the right things throughout the week to go out there on Sunday and catch the ball. And I know he's a guy I can always trust. So that's what Sam Howell, end quote, said about Jahan Dotson. Uh, so really, you know, there's, there's a lot of things in, in the NFL game that you can point to and say, this has got to change, that's got to change. Honestly, they just need to keep going, and they need to keep him engaged, keep him getting high targets, eight targets, 10 targets a game, 12 targets even would be great. Um, that is what they need to do to keep Jahan Dotson's frustration from turning into a lack of uh, confidence in himself, which, again, I think we're, I, I still think we're a ways away from that, and certainly these last two weeks have helped with that. So that is our first mailbag question. We got more mailbag questions than I can possibly answer in one episode. So command huddles are going to begin coming to you starting this weekend. Even more questions asked and answered that we can't fit into our standard weekly mailbag episode exclusive for our insider program. So insiders, take a, or you can keep an eye out for that. Come in on Saturday, of course. As you know, I will text you a link when that is ready. For today, we're going to move into our next mailbag item, and that's NFL draft-related thanks to several people who want an early look at the Washington Commanders draft picture coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Commanders brought to you by Game Time, who says you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seats, and their best price guaranteed. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. They got last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. It's easy to find and buy tickets to every kind of event in your area. Do you want to see Chase Young bring the San Francisco 49ers into FedEx Field in Week 17 on New Year's Eve? You can find tickets for that on Game Time right now. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase and you see the view from your seat before you buy the ticket so you know what you're walking into when you arrive all in prices show you the total up front so you know you're getting a great deal and the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets of the same section and row for the same event for less money game time will give you the tickets at cost but they'll also give you 110 percent of the difference in the price Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use promo code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use the redeem code L O C K E D O N N F L to get twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thanks for being locked on. Come manage your first listen, your first view today and every day and every dayers. You already know I appreciate everything. Everybody for coming through every day like you do. Football season is hitting its stride and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL kickoff live every Friday. Locked On is going live at 2 p.m. Eastern to break down the entire NFL schedule, help you with fantasy lines, betting angles, all that stuff. Plus, you get in-depth local analysis from hosts across the NFL channel, uh, across the country who know the team better than anybody else. Find Locked On NFL kickoff live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. 
We've had multiple draft-related questions come into the mailbag since the trades of Chase Young and Montez Sweat, and for good reason, right? So obviously, you've got two former, well, first-round picks. They're, they're, they're always going to be first-round picks, right? So two first-round picks on the Washington Commanders defensive line, now no longer part of that defensive line. Uh, in their place, you have a second-round pick, and you have a third-round pick. And playing in their place, you got Casey Suhill, James Smith-Williams. Behind them, you've got rookies, Andre Jones Jr., KJ Henry, F.A. Obata is in there as well. Uh, you know, guys like that. So a lot of people want to know, as the team stands right now, what are the priorities for the NFL draft coming up next April? And obviously, that is a question that's impossible to fully answer because you got free agency coming up. Guys might leave. Guys might get released. Other guys could get traded when the season, uh, when the new league year starts, things like that. But if this roster is what we have when we're looking at the Washington Commanders, in April in the NFL draft. And to me, your top three priorities for this, this team have to be offensive tackle. And I'm going to say either offensive tackle left or right, or both offensive tackles left and right uh, have to be a priority. Linebacker has to be a priority. Um, I know Jack Del Rio's scheme kind of minimizes the linebacker, but as long as a linebacker is on the field, minimize them as much as you want to in your scheme. He is still an important part of this defense. Uh, no matter what, because he is a potential weak point. We've seen teams go after Jamin Davis. We've seen teams go after Cody Bart. We've seen teams go after David Mayo, or at least go after the spots they're supposed to be in. Uh, you need a Mike linebacker. I don't think they have an answer at Mike linebacker. They don't have an answer at Will linebacker. Um, Jamin Davis as a first-round pick, not not incredibly impressed. I'm going to go ahead and predict right now the fifth-year option, not going to get picked up uh, this offseason. Now, he's still got half of the NFL season to prove me wrong. And I'm more than happy to keep watching him and see if he can do so. But that's got to be the second option or second priority linebacker. Third priority to me, tight end. You still have a young quarterback. I don't, you know, as, as well as Sam Howell is doing, you still have a young quarterback next year. Um, I don't think quarterback is a priority for this team. I think that you have a good quarterback in Sam Howell that you need to continue developing, continue to see grow. Again, whole half of the NFL season left to go. If he bottoms out, we'll have this conversation again. Uh, later on down the road. But as I see it today, offensive tackle, either of them or both of them, linebackers, again, one or two of them, Mike linebacker, Will linebacker, uh, or tight end. And I know what I'm calling Will linebacker. I understand that sometimes that Will, quote unquote, linebacker lines up on the strong side would be a Sam, but you get the point. Your, your first linebacker, your Mike, and your second linebacker uh, that I'm calling the Will here. And again, your tight end. Logan Thomas is, is good where he's good. But he's getting older. The injuries are piling up. John Bates, uh, I think we've pretty much hit the ceiling with John uh, for the most part. Cole Turner, I like Cole Turner a lot. I know I got a mailbag episode about or uh, uh, an entry about Cole that I will answer on that uh, command huddle episode, that bonus episode for insiders this weekend. Um, I like Cole Turner a lot, but he's not getting burned. And for whatever reason, he's not getting the burn. He's not getting it. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe I'll ask Eric Bianami about that on Thursday and be able to bring that to you guys on Saturday. But as always, those priorities don't mean that those are going to be the first position selected necessarily, right? You don't draft like, you know, okay, we need off the tackle. So we'll go off the tackle first. Uh, so I was also asked to do mock drafts. I was also asked to, to do, uh, now I was asked by one person to do a full mock draft, full three round mock draft by myself. That is impossible. Cause I promise you right now, there are guys on the, these mock draft boards that are going the first round that will not even be day one or day two picks come April. Okay. So I'm not going to unfortunately have the ability to sit down and look, I cover the NFL. Uh, my draft preparation guys starts in January. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm watching and I'm studying some guys, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a scout out here. So I'm not doing deep dives on college players right now. 
Uh, I promise you that. Now, the gov the more guys that get invited to the Senior Bowl, the more I start studying those guys because that's my first stop in draft preparation is Mobile, Alabama. So I want to be as smart about those guys as I possibly can. But that being said, going into a mock draft, um, I'm going to use the PFF mock draft simulator, and I'm going to do three rounds. So we got five picks in the first three rounds here for the Washington Commanders, five picks in the top 100 uh, for the Washington Commanders thanks to these trades. Uh, with their first pick currently projected to be the number 12 overall pick, I went ahead and selected offensive tackle J.C. Latham out of Alabama. He is PFS number 19 overall prospect. I take him at number 12. He's the fourth offensive tackle off the board. Uh, and offensive tackle is a position that you will see teams reach for. So even though that's considered a seven-pick seven reach, uh, you're going to see teams take those kinds of reach on offensive tackles. Think Darnell Wright, who coming into draft weekend this year was like the 25th, 26th ranked prospect. He ends up going before the commanders ever even get on the board. Um, currently right now, J.C. Latham, 18th overall uh, in, in offensive tackle grades on PFF, 80.4 pass blocking grade, 78.4 run blocking grade. He is 11th in all of college football and pressures allowed with eight. And among offensive tackles with 572 block reps or more, there are 12 of those guys uh, as he's, he's 12th overall uh, among those players. And he's a right tackle. Okay, so when you watch Alabama, don't look to the left side, look to the right side. He's a right tackle. And I'll remind you of Tristan Wirfs, who was a right tackle in Iowa, was the fourth tackle off the board when he was drafted by the Buccaneers in 2020 and moved to left tackle in 2023. I'm not saying that, you know, J.C. Latham is the next Tristan Wirfs, but I'm just saying you still find a quality tackle, even if he's a right tackle uh, in the first round. So that's why I say either or both. But let's be honest. You would love a left tackle. But guess what? If the first three guys off the board are all left tackles and the best tackle left is a right tackle, you take that right tackle and you at least get happy with improving your protection for your quarterback and your run game there. Second round, number 35 overall pick, that one coming from the Chicago Bears. Uh, I took tight end Jatavion Sanders out of Texas. He is PFS number 38th overall pick, so a plus three reach uh, there. Uh, three other offensive tackles come off the board between my first pick and my second pick, so uh, kudos to us for going tackle because all of them bad boys would have been gone by the time the second round came. Uh, Jatavion is, is a 6'4", athletic tight end, only 22 catches this season, but he's at 378 yards on those things. That's the third highest yards per catch of any college tight end with at least 25 targets this season. Uh, he's a versatile guy. He can play in line, slot. He can split wide uh, in college, and he's at zero drops so far this season. That part uh, is really big. Next pick in the second round, number 44 overall, I go linebacker Edger and Cooper. Out of Texas A&M, I get him at the 44th pick. He is PFF's 45th ranked player. Uh, I'm looking at him as a will linebacker in the NFL with some range. 91 overall grade so far this season. He's got plus pass rush, run defense, and coverage grades. Below average missed tackle rate, so you want to see that cleaned up. Uh, and a 91.8 coverage grade. That stands out to me greatly as a will or a Sam linebacker. Third round pick, number 76 overall. I'm going guard Christian Haynes out of UConn. 82nd overall player. I'm kicking Brayden Daniels out to tackle once he's healthy. Christian Haynes has an 84.8 overall grade this season. He's out plus run blocking, pass blocking, zone blocking, and he's out plus gap blocking scheme uh, ability, although that's not as plus uh, as his zone blocking scheme uh, is. But the commanders like to run a lot more zone than they do gap, so you're okay with that. 79.5 grade in true pass set, pass blocks, uh, which is pretty decent. One sack allowed in 2023, none in 2022, only two in 2021. Five total hurries given up so far this season at nine in the two seasons combined before that. All of his snaps are right guard, but you can move a right guard to left guard with a fairly little problem, usually for the most part. Third round pick number 100, the compensatory pick from the Niners. I'm looking at edge Gabriel Murphy out of UCLA. 
PFS 106th overall player. Uh, he's at an 89 overall grade, but he's at a 90.6 pass rush grade that you love. He's still got an above average run stopping grade. Uh, career high eight sacks in 2021. He's at six so far in 2023, so he should break that number. And look, he's rushed over the tackle, off tackle, off ball, in the B, uh, in the A gap. He's got a lot of versatility. Overall, PFF gives me a B for my draft, and the best grade they give me is Edron Cooper. Worst grade is J.C. Latham. So that is our midseason draft look for the Washington Commanders. And since we didn't rant about Ron yesterday, we're going to rant about Ron today. Coming up next on today's episode of Locked on Commanders. And today's episode of Locked on Commanders brought to you by DoorDash. Whenever the game clock stops, that's time for you to order in with DoorDash. And this episode is being delivered to you by DoorDash. Why root for your team on an empty stomach? Order on DoorDash and save on football watch party favorites. All your favorite restaurants and stores from retail to grocery are on the app so you can shop everything you need to get game day ready. If you're in Seattle for game day this weekend, you might want to check out Ezel's Famous Chicken. They got a 4.6 star rating and over 39,000 reviews. You know how hard it is that 39,000 people rate you and maintain above a four and a half star rating? That is incredibly impressive. Or if you're in D.C. and you're watching from home, Drop an order to Bandit Taco without missing a second of Commander's fifth of the Commander's fifth win of the season. Get 50% off with a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order after you download the DoorDash app and use the promo code LOCKED23. Again, that's promo code LOCKED23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. <laughs> Two super fire questions, uh, one coming from one insider, the other one kind of a conglomerate of, of many people, some insiders, some non-insiders talking NFL draft. Appreciate that. That is our mailbag portion of today's episode. We're going to wrap up talking about or rather ranting about Ron Rivera and what he said in his recent press conference. Uh, usually this is our AAR finale, but our AAR episode finale this week was actually my conversation with Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers about the Chase Young trade. So we're going to move ranting about Ron to this episode. and. The first quote I picked out from his Wednesday press conference, he was asked about whether or not the decreased sacks against his offense are due to offensive line changes or Sam Howell's development, to which Ron Rivera responded, quote, I think it's a combination of several things. Also, the guys around Sam are getting it. It's like we've had, I talked about this earlier too, about those aha moments where all of a sudden he goes, okay, I see it, I get it. Well, some of the things that we did up front with the offensive line seem to be paying off. I think getting the ball out of Sam's hand quicker uh, creates frustration for the defense when a guy gets the ball out early and on time. There's a little bit of frustration that seems to develop for the defense. And overall, the guy's understanding. I mean, you see some of the things that we've been seeing from the backs and from the tight ends that are chipping their way out. Shoot, we even got a couple snaps where we have the receivers chipping and all understanding just how important it is. It's all kind of coming together, I think, at the right time for us offensively. End quote. Um Ron Rivera is being really nice here, but I think that honestly, the main catalyst to the offensive protection getting better. Uh, yes, it's Sam House pre-snap recognition. Yes, it's Sam getting rid of the ball quickly, but it's not like he's getting rid of the ball quickly on every single snap. But even when he's not, he still looks a lot more comfortable back there than he did beforehand. And I'm talking about before Tyler Larson took over for Nick Gates. And again, Nick is a guy that I've really enjoyed getting to know since he arrived to the team. I love his personality. I love his approach. But I just don't know that the his ability to call protections in Eric Bieniemy's scheme for his plays and for what Sam Howell needs to do and what he's seeing, I don't think they're on the same page, but Tyler Larson gets it. Tyler Larson, the mental side of playing center 
in the National Football League. Tyler Larson, I think, is well accelerated there uh, compared to Nick Gates. Now, Nick is still getting reps at center. He's still going to get film work at center. He's looking at meetings at center. So he's still hopefully getting smarter as a center in the National Football League. Remember, this is his first full year as a center in the NFL. So that's a little bit difficult. Uh, but I think Tyler Larson has had a very big impact on that group specifically. I just don't think Ron really wants to come out uh, and say that. So next quote on if facing Philadelphia Eagles wide receivers, A.J. Brown, uh, and also I'm going to throw in there, Devontae Smith prepares this defense for Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, D.K. Metcalf, and I'm going to throw in Tyler Lockett. Ron Rivera says, quote, I think so. I think it'll be something that we can draw from. I most certainly, I do think it's a heck of a challenge for our guys in the secondary, and I really do believe based on some of the things that we've done in the last few weeks, I think it'll be a good, good challenge for us, end quote. So Philadelphia Eagles receivers, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. Sorry if you hate me for saying that because they're Eagles, but it's the truth. And, you know, I didn't create it. I'm just reporting it. And that is the truth. Uh, in week four against the Washington Commanders, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith combined for 22 targets, 16 catches, 253 yards of offense, two touchdowns and 72 yards after the catch. Woof. Brute. I mean, the fact that that game went to overtime with those stats just between two guys, that's insanity. Uh, week eight, that that duo combined for 15 targets, 15 catches, 219 yards, three touchdowns, 65 yards after the catch. Still very dominant stats from that duo uh, there in Philadelphia. But those targets were down seven. The catches were down one. The yards were down 34. The touchdowns was actually up one. And the yak was down seven. So what does that tell you? Well, that tells you that the Philadelphia Eagles came into their second match against commanders understanding we can't go to that well as much as we did the first time. Now, it was still very, very successful when they did go to the well, but they had to spread the ball more. They had to get more weapons involved because they understood the evolution of the commander's defense was going to make it harder for them to just come back through and do the exact same things. Now, again, A.J. Brown had a great game, eight for eights, you know, eight targets, eight catches, all of those things. So I'm not sitting here saying the commanders had this like epiphany of defensive play and drastic improvement against the Philadelphia Eagles. But where I think this will help, it does show a little bit of improvement, which a little bit of improvement is still improvement, right? Um, but you, where you see the dip in the receiver contributions, you see an increase in tight end Dallas Goddard's contributions. Now, Seattle, Seattle's top two wide receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and their tight end, Noah Fant, are less quality compared to Philly. And that's not an insult to Seattle. I think it's just a, a fair observation. So if Washington can play up to the level they did against the Eagles and better than the level they did against the Eagles against a lesser talented wide receiver and tight end group in Seattle, they should be able to come with a winnable effort on defense. I'm not saying they're going to shut them down. I'm saying you should come out with, an, uh, with an, a result that is a winnable result. So 20 to no more than 25 points given up to the Seattle Seahawks. Now, where Seattle presents a bigger threat, I think, than Philadelphia does is in their third receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the rookie out of Ohio State. His last two games alone, he's got 11 targets, nine catches, 99 yards, and a touchdown. That's the past two games. In the two games the Eagles played against the Commanders, their third receiver, in one game it was Julio Jones, in the other game it was Alameda Zacchaeus. They combined for four targets, two catches, 19 yards, and one touchdown. That is a drastic difference from the Seattle Seahawks third receiver to the third receiver from the Philadelphia Eagles in each game combined. Bottom line is this secondary is going to see a lot of passes. Look, guys, 3013, I don't know if you're familiar with them, 3013.com. Uh, 3013 projects Sam Howell and Geno Smith to both be top 10 fantasy football quarterbacks this week. That means they're expecting a shootout. That means I think you're looking at a score 28-25, 31-28. You know what I mean? That's what you're kind of looking at here. 
It's going to boil down to how much the Seattle Seahawks can replicate Philadelphia's success, add Jackson Smith and Jigba to the, to the, to the chemistry, and how much the commander's defense can build off of what they learned from A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. That is going to be a huge part of this. So that's why I pulled that quote from Ron Rivera. That's going to do it for this mailbag episode. Ran about Ron tomorrow. It's crossover Thursday. Corbin Smith and I, I'm going to be wearing the same shirt because we already recorded the crossover. We did that on Wednesday night for you guys. So that'll drop on Thursday. In the meantime, you got questions or comments for future mailbag episodes. Just throw them in the comments section. Hit me on Twitter or text me directly by becoming a lock insider at jointseptext.com slash locked on commanders. Not only did you get your question in, but you get access to that commander huddle uh, bonus episode dropping for insiders only starting this Saturday. As always, thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Every day, or thank you so much for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.